You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. We've been learning how to lose our religion, which is always a good thing to do when you're a Christian because you're always inadvertently becoming religious. We learned last week that uh, there is a difference uh, between religion and Christianity in week one. Then we, la- then we learned last week that uh, religion and irreligion are actually exactly the same thing. They are just trying to find ways to control your life and not give that control over to God. And so there's another way that people try and lose their religion today. And it goes like this. I'm sure you've heard it. When people say, even though they're not necessarily into religion, they're into spirituality. You know, give me spirituality any day. I'm not a religious person. You know, if you go to Dimmicks, you can go to Dimmicks. You see this all the time in the self-help section of Dimmicks when you go and look at all the books. You know, all sorts of books like you know, things that say things like, you know, cyber grace, finding God in a digital age. Or, or beside still waters, you're finding God in an age of doubt. Now, when I go and see these things, I was reflecting the other week. I was, it was something I noticed when I see these books, and this is it. It's that the writers of these books, they're always terribly conflicted. And here's what the conflict is, that you know, 10 to 20 years ago, uh, if, if you were a modern, sophisticated person, it would not be acceptable to say that you're spiritually searching. You wouldn't say that. But these days now, to say that you're a spiritual searcher, that's hip, man. That's hip. That's cool. You know, I'm not into religion, man, but I'm searching. You know, it's, 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 it's the cool thing. It's, and it's almost noble. It's almost wise. It's almost a beautiful thing to do. But here's what I noticed is not acceptable, and you don't see it in the books. It's acceptable to say I'm a spiritual searcher. What it, what's not acceptable is, acceptable is to say I've found something. You don't see the book that says, I've found God, or, or finding God in the digital age. You can't say that, because the minute you say that you've found something, guess what? You're narrow-minded. <laughs> right? You're one of those religious types. You're narrow-minded, you're exclusive, you're intolerant. intolerant. Now, what's incredibly intriguing about this is, people that come into that, you know, that are searching, uh, but they don't want to find anything, they're in a real bind, and here's the bind. They're saying, I'm spiritually searching, but I'm not one of those people that have found God. They say, I'm, I'm not religious, but give me spirituality any day. And here's why they're in a bind. And here's my guess at why they're saying that. And here's why. Look, most spiritual searchers, by the way, this is particularly the baby boomers and up. Right? The baby boomer generation and up have been... They're different from my generation because the baby boomers and up, you've all been in religious institutions. My generation haven't grown up in religious institutions. But the baby boomers up have, and here's what they've found. Inside religious institutions, people are angrier. People are more bitter. People fight more. People are more hypocritical than you see out in the everyday world. So this, this older generation have experienced that. And so as a result, the conclusion they've come to is, well... I grew up in a religious institution and religious people say I've found God and so there's no way that I'm going to be like them. Now, I want to say right up front and front load this, I agree. 
I agree. I agree. In the vast majority of religious institutions, people are more bitter, they're more angry, they're more hypocritical than what you would find in the everyday workplace. And so I ultimately say, yes, I can understand now why you are saying today that give me spirituality any day. Because you've had it, I'm not going to be like that. But here's the problem. If you are going to approach Christianity like that, if that's how you're going to move into the faith like that, you're going to get stuck. You're going to get stuck between the smugness of religious people and the bad experience that you've had growing up in a religious institution. And you're going to get stuck between that and that sense of your spiritual emptiness. You're in a bit of a bind. You don't know where to go. And the question is today, is there a way out of this? And I guess my answer to that is I think so. And the way that you do that is you overcome this fallacy. You overcome this fallacy. It's this. Imagine that uh, John Doe is always getting drunk. On Monday, he's getting drunk on rum and coke. On Tuesday, he's getting drunk on vodka and coke. On Wednesday, he's getting drunk on gin and coke. Here's a question. What's making him drunk? Coca-Cola, of course. See, association is not causation. I see a religious person here and they say they've found God and so therefore God's the reason for their narrow-mindedness. I see a religious person here, they say they've found God, they're angry all the time, God's the reason why they're angry. That's, can you see the fallacy? Could it be that there is something beneath the religiosity that is actually causing the anger and the bitterness and the hypocrisy? That's what we're going to look at today. <laughs> what's causing it? What is, uh, what's spirituality? Paul actually gives us a sense of what I believe to be the modern definition of spirituality. It's hidden in here. And it's in my translation, the 1984 version of the NIV. Best, dec- best decade in history, so why not continue to read from, from that? The 1984 version of the NIV says, Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, you are now trying to attain your goal by human effort. The, the word that uh, Paul is using there underneath all that for attain your goal is epitaleo. In other words, in simple terms, it means completion. What we have here is the Jerry Maguire principle. You guys have seen Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger. You know that wonderful scene? You know, she's been in love with him the whole life and he won't give her the time of day. And then he eventually busts into the lounge room all disheveled and crazy. And she's eating macaroni and cheese with a little blonde haired guy. And, and he, he's standing there and she's thinking, what are you doing there? And he gives her a long big spiel. And what does he say at the end of the big spiel to her? You complete me. That's a Jerry Maguire principle. Yeah, the, look, it's... It's a truism of the modern person when they are seeking spirituality that we are all striving to complete ourselves. Like Jerry, we run disheveled into a lounge room. You, know, you run into the lounge rooms of your career or you run to go and find your own Zellweger in a partner or, or you run to a, a bank account to say, you complete me. Spirituality is, is to say, this is the thing. If I have this, will make me feel complete. Spirituality is to search and find the thing that, that, that when you stare it in the face and, and go before it, you ask it, am I okay? <laughs> Will you accept me? Now, religious people use God to do that. Non-religious people use all sorts of different spiritualities. But ultimately, spirituality is the thing that completes you. Now, here's the problem with that. Christianity says, look, you... Not only can't you trust the things that you're chasing after, not only are they inadequate in their own right, but you can't even trust yourself. 
How do you know what is going to complete you? How do you know what is going to be right for you? And so therefore the question is, in all of that, in all of this searching for the thing that will complete you, how do we get that sense of power, that sense of otherworldliness, that spiritual power that has a sense that, that I'm, more, I'm more in my life than the, than the tectonic plates that all of my foundations shift upon? Where is that solid thing that does not move? Where is the, where's the power? Where, how do I tap into that? And that's what Paul answers in this passage. How do you find the spiritual power of Christianity? Uh, Galatians chapter 3. Here's, here's the first way. You've got to be moved by the facts. Verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Uh, clearly portrayed. What he's saying there is uh, the word for that meant uh, like a placard. Uh, Christ was presented to you on a placard, like a billboard. It was, it was graphically portrayed. Now, Paul's saying, I graphically presented Jesus to you. Now, what's going on here? They lived miles from Palestine. They weren't there. He says, before your very eyes, I portrayed Jesus. Like, did, did Paul have a PowerPoint presentation and some slides and a little iPad? And did he have pictures and photos from his Instagram account of Road to Damascus? No, none of that. It wasn't a physical presentation of Jesus before them. Did they see Jesus with their physical eyes? No. So what's going on here? What's important to see is that Paul went and told a story that Jesus lived and he breathed and he died and he was resurrected and he came back and Paul saw him on the road to Damascus and it's real. And as a result, he went on and he began to preach around the countryside. Paul tells this story. He doesn't give them rules. And as a result, they were enlightened. They had an an aha moment, you know them? They had an aha moment. It means they were moved. What does that look like? Oh, there was a, there was a great, um, saw a great clip on a, someone's Facebook page this week of an ad campaign in the United States at the moment uh, against their gun laws over there. And so what a guy did is they set up a fake gun store in the middle of New York City because they don't really have gun stores in New York City. And they set up a fake one and had all these rifles and guns on, on the doors and they secretly filmed people coming in and when the people would come in to buy a gun, he would pull it off the shelf and say, yeah, here's this pistol, 8 millimeter Glock pistol and there'd be a little tag on it. And then they would read the tag and they would see a bit of a story and people were shocked and they would read it. They're saying, what's this? And would tell the story of the gun. Oh, yeah, that pistol uh, was taken out of the bag by a two-year-old and he shot his mother in Walmart. He pulls, someone else comes in, I like a gun for protection. They pull a gun off the wall and, and oh, they're looking at it all. Then they see this little tag, look, read it th- through. What's all this stuff? Oh, yeah, this, this was used uh, by that guy in the high school massacre who went and shot 16 other teenagers. Oh, but you can have the gun for protection. <laughs> Do you think anyone bought the gun after they read that? No, they, they walked outside, they interviewed them. What, what happened? They were moved by the facts. The little tags were the, the, fa- the facts. that it, it had sunk in. It's one thing to know, it's another to taste. It's one thing to agree, it's another thing to go, aha. And so here's why, here's why the gun ad portrays how you move into Christianity so well. The first thing is you have to get the facts about Jesus Christ. You see, the difference between Christianity and every other spirituality is people think spirituality is a feeling. And I can't move into Christianity. There's no power in that spirituality because it's factual and I've got to believe this gospel stuff. 
But it's just like the, the gun ad. You have to see the facts of it. And it's the facts that actually bring about the power. The facts, the facts move you. But then you go, well, how do I know that I've been moved? Oh, look, just take a look at some of the Christians throughout history. I was watching a documentary on Foxtel the other day about Perpetua, one of the martyrs in AD 200. And she refused to recant Christianity in order to move back to one of the many religions of Rome. And so ultimately, she, as she was there with the gladiators, grabbed the sword and put the sword to her own neck. Even after her own father pleaded that she wouldn't do it. What makes a person do that? Look at the people throughout history that have been burnt at the stake because they refused to recant uh, their faith in Jesus Christ. Look at William Wilberforce. Look at Martin Luther, Luther King. Now you're saying, what, what's happening there? What, what's doing with them? Did they get an extra dose of spiritual power? Did they try harder than I do? No. What happened with them is that they saw Jesus more clearly. They were, they were moved by the facts. They saw him graphically portrayed. And so it means for you, if you want not just a spirituality, but a spiritual power in Christianity, you've got to be moved by seeing Jesus clearly, the story of Jesus for you. Christianity is a religion of the personal pronouns. Jesus lived for me. Jesus died for me. <laughs> Jesus rose for me. It's got to move you. Paul's saying they believe because Jesus was graphically betrayed. So now some of you are saying, that's great, that's comforting. Here's a problem. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I'm a believer. I get that Jesus died for me. I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven. But why do I still find it so hard to forgive everyone else? <laughs> oh, I know that Jesus died for me and I'm supposed to move into a life of goodness, but, but why do I still struggle with anger and frustration and a bitterness i've been a christian for years now paul's response to this is fascinating he says in here he says verse three are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit you're now trying to complete yourselves by your own effort he says are you so foolish the greek word under there is idiotos which means get the point i don't know greek that well paul's saying you idiots that's what he says he says you idiots it, it's it's right underneath your noses guys he says notice jesus is graphically portrayed they believe what does it mean to believe to believe there in verse three is did you not receive the spirit by the works of law or by believing what you heard to believe is to stop observing the law of god does that mean in christianity you don't observe the law uh, that you don't obey the law, sorry. No, every, everyone is to obey the law as Christians. It means when to stop observing the law means to stop trusting the law of God, to stop relying on the law of God. Here's what it means. The modern person misunderstands Christianity and they think if I become a Christian, then I have to obey all of these rules. But you've got to see that the problem with Christianity is not law breaking. The problem with Christianity is law relying. That's what makes you religious is when you trust upon your goodness and your obedience to the things of God to run into the lounge room and say to God, am I acceptable? That's what causes religion. Our question is, why is Paul saying this to Christians? Because, look, you and I do this all the time. 
brothers and sisters. We're, we're always going back to some degree, always going backwards. We always still inherently believe in ourselves that we're saved by faith alone, but it's a, a good behavior and being good and obedience, and that's the thing that's going to make me acceptable. So the telltale is, do you feel anxious at times about the level of your faith? Do you sense condemnation? Are you feeling that this morning? You're the sort of person that's touchy around criticism. You're a prickly sort of person. When people, or when, when people criticize you do, you, do you just fall apart? When do you fall apart? <laughs> See, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm living a good life. It's one thing actually to say I should live a good life, but it's another thing to say to rely on that, to rely on that goodness as your hope, to rely on that goodness as the thing that enables you to look in the mirror in the morning and say, I'm acceptable to God. To go out into the world and say, I'm okay. Look, let me put, let me put it another way. Uh, you've not become a Christian until you go out into the world and say, Say to yourself that I was looking at a Zellweger in my career and in the relationship and in my family and in my kids' success and in my bank account. You're not a Christian until you realize that you were looking to something other than Jesus Christ and saying, you complete me. And that's why we lose power, always going back. We're always looking to something other than Jesus Christ to say, you complete me. We've got to dismantle the self-trusting mechanisms in our life. Look, some of you are saying, show me how this works. Um, let's use anger, for example. Like you shouldn't just say there, oh Lord, I've got a problem with anger. Please take it from me. Instead, in the, just hoping that God will remove your anger, you should be, or simply exercising your willpower, what you need to be asking yourself is, if, if, I'm, if I am so angry, what is it deep within me that I think that I need so much? What is it that is being withheld from me that is blocking that thing that I'm ultimately saying, I'm complete and acceptable? See, usually there's a deep anger because of something like that. Maybe there's something that we, we want comfort above, above Jesus. And so something comes along and it thwarts that. It gets in the way of that. We become angry with that thing. Maybe you're desperately seeking the approval of every other person in life around you and something comes in the way of that. Maybe that person doesn't love you the way that you want to love them and, and you're so deep, deeply tied up in them that when that doesn't happen, you become angry. Can can you can you see what can you see the dynamic? That the failure to grow in Christian spiritual powers—it's not a lack of willpower. It's not a lack of willpower. Allow me to use a allow me to use a Northside proprietary in-house term, and that is you will always be MacGyvering so long as you are MacGyvering, right? You will always be MacGyvering so long as you are MacGyvering. You will always be using external behavior modifications to get the things you want in your life so long as there's something other than Jesus Christ that you look at and says, you completely. So, 
disobedience to the law. That's not the big issue in Christianity. The big issue, the Paul says in Christianity, is, is, is over-reliance, over-trust on your own work in order to feel that you're acceptable. You've got to dismantle those mechanisms. So on one hand, Jesus has got to be more beautiful and more radiant and more real to you on one hand. And on the other side, once you become a Christian, you've got to move to the other side and you progressively have to dismantle the things in your life that are ultimately you are maguiring. You complete me. <laughs> oh, we're running out of time. So much more to say. Um, look, this, this is the point in the sermon where normally I give you the gospel according to something. You know, it'll be the gospel according to, to Terminator 2, I'll be back. Or it'll be the gospel according to the last starfighter, you know, that in Jesus Christ the spaceship has landed in your backyard and he lifts out his hand and says, come on to a great adventure with me. Or it's a part in the sermon where it's Lord of the Rings, you know, Frodo, I, 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 I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. Uh, it's... It, it's now, some of you, you've thought, I know you have, you've thought over, in the time that we've gotten to know each other now, is this guy just eccentric? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> what, am I, what am I doing every week? What, are, what, am, I, what am I doing? I, I could have used one this morning, but I'm not. I want to I let you in on my circuit. What am I doing? I'm trying to, I'm trying to portray Christ to you. I'm trying to do what Paul did to the Galatians. I'm trying to help you see him more clearly. I'm trying to help you fall, fall more in love with him. I, I, I want the picture to be more, more real and more relevant to you because that is the thing that brings about spirituality beyond religion and Christianity. That's the cause behind the fallacy. <laughs> There is a cause behind the fallacy that you don't see Jesus for who he really is. What is the gospel? Look, I can't help myself. What is the gospel? The gospel is that in Jesus Christ, he was the most beautiful Tom Cruise in the world. That in Jesus Christ, you think that he had everything. He was there with the Father and he was there with the Holy Spirit and he had all glory. But then he comes out of that. Why does Jesus come to earth? Why does Jesus die? Why does Jesus go to the cross? Why does Jesus do what he does? Because Jesus in the story of the gospel busts into your lounge room and you and your disheveled self self looks at him and on the cross he says to you you complete me and when you come to understand that the the, the thing at the very center of your heart beyond the relationship and beyond the the career and beyond the bank balance and beyond the rest of it when you understand that the very thing your heart is yearning for in completeness is the thing that has come to you and said that you complete them then you find a dynamic for love that will melt you this is what you're searching for this this is what it's all about and when you dwell on that, it will melt your heart. Oh, it means this morning, non-Christian, if you're here, I am so glad you are. You're more than welcome to be a part of our family. But look, please understand, association's not causation. Don't buy the fallacy. Know what you're rejecting before you reject it. Wrestle, tussle, explore. This is what you are searching for. And it explodes a power that has changed the world in people's lives. What's, look, spirituality, every spirituality around the world, if it fails you, it will flatten you. Every other spirituality around the world, if you, if you fail it, it will crush you. In Christianity, you've got the only spirituality that I will never fail you. And you have the only spirituality in the world that if you fail it, it forgives you. 
don't buy the fallacy. See him clearly. Get a clear view of who Jesus Christ is and that he was a guy that came to bust this whole religious junk that we're all frustrated with. But Christians, let's just be real with ourselves. Let's just take on Paul's loving rebuke this morning. Half the time, our problem is because we're all a bunch of idiots. I am. He says it's right, un- it's right under your noses. You know, but you don't know. If there is anger, if there's frustration, if there's bitterness and all these things in our life, as it is in my life in each and every week, Paul says, come on, understand you. You know, but you don't know. The picture of Christ hasn't moved you, firstly. You've got to do what Zacchaeus did. Do whatever. Get up a tree. Get up the spiritual tree somewhere and see Jesus more clearly. It hasn't moved you. But then on the other step that we need to take as Christians is you've got to, you've got to stop maguiring. We've got to dismantle the systems at the depths of our heart, those things at the very center of who we are, other than Jesus Christ, that we say, if I have this, then it completes me. What is that for you this week? What is it really? As we go into a time of ministry, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal that to you. You've got to put it down. You've got to put your doing down, as the hymn writer James Proctor summed it up well. Lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him, in him alone, gloriously complete. Let's pray.